Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Carcace, two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women and your host of Millennial Women Talk. We're so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you're investing in becoming the best version of you. We are thrilled to be on this journey together. You know, as we sit here and think about when we started Millennial Women, we remember feeling a strong calling in our hearts we simply could not ignore. It was a sense of desire to create a community to inspire and provide resources to help you live your most optimal life. The millennial women you're about to meet on this episode felt the same thing. Have you ever felt like you've been called to do something that is totally outside of your original plans for your life? We know it can be scary. We've been there. But on this episode, we talked to Blakely Schultz, Naima Carmichael, and Jessica Camerata, three millennial women who went on completely different journeys than the ones they originally set out for. These women shared their stories on how allowing life to redirect them eventually led them to what they now call their purpose. There were so many insightful moments on this episode, but here are some of our favorites. I took my last $200 and I bought all the ingredients. I made a few bottles and within that week I sold out. So I knew, I was like, you know, this is something that I'm passionate about. It gave me my life back. I felt like I had purpose again outside of motherhood and I decided to run with it. And from there, I just created, created, created. I actually didn't even pick up a camera until my senior year of college. That was when I like owned my first camera. And this is what I do full time. Wow. (laughs) So I think there's, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete, which is so completely from a different realm. Right. right. So I think too, we can take all these different jobs to make money, but it's, it's when we really dive into what we are created to do and our purpose, that that is when it's gonna take off. Okay, MW, the journey to getting closer to the best you starts right now. All right, welcome the contributors of Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to talk to you guys. Thanks so much for yeah, having yes, me. I'm you. excited. <laughs> Ladies, why don't we um, go around and tell us a little bit about you and your amazing companies? Awesome. Well, I'll start. My name is Jessica, and I write the style blog called My Style Vita. And I've been blogging for eight years now. And my blog is all about providing practical tips to the everyday woman for a more put together life, or as I like to call it, an elevated everyday. I think things should be simple and uncomplicated and still, you know, just feel really great. And in addition to my blog, I also started the Blog Societies, which is a network of bloggers across the U.S. We provide resources to our members with um, downloadable resources from the website. We've got a great uh, private Facebook group, and we feature our members um, every week to highlight their their brands and what they're doing and just providing tips to one another to sort of help elevate the entire industry. And, you know, we learn best from one another. So that's always really important to us. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. My name is Blakely Schultz. I am the owner of Urban Pines, which is a creative house here in Atlanta, Georgia. We do photo, video, design, and social media management, anywhere from working with small businesses and small brands all the way to large corporations, uh, just building lifestyle content that is relatable to the everyday person. Um, People don't like really like stuffy, stiff commercials anymore. They want something that's tangible and relatable where they can put their product 
in in a real life situation. Um, so that's what we love getting to do as well as feature artists. Um, our heart is to be able to collaborate with artists in the Atlanta area and being able to showcase what they do and empower them. Awesome. Well, my name is Naima. I'm the owner of Paradise Organics and the Lotus Love Experience. I've been in business four years now. Uh, my first year full entrepreneurship. Um, so <laughs> it is really exciting. I mean, it's been a great experience. Paradise Organics is a hair, skin, and feminine healthcare line. We are 100% certified vegan, so yay, yay for that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the Lotus Love Experience is a online community of about 1,500 women now, and wow. we just teach women how to empower themselves and how to heal their womb naturally. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women deal with fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, and the first thing they do is run to the doctor. So what? because my father's a herbalist, he's been healing people naturally for at least 50 years now. The knowledge from him and my own research and my own pain and things that I've been through, I decided to create this community where women can come together, share knowledge, share information. They can even get information from board certified GYNs. So it's just a beautiful community and I want it to continue to grow. So that is definitely where my passion is. So nice. I love it. So a lot of, well, not a lot of them, all of you guys are making a living off of your businesses that are primarily on the internet. And anybody can jump in on this. When did you have this idea to get started in what you're doing today and then say, okay, I'm going to turn this into a business or is this a business? Kind of walk us through that process. Yeah, well, mine for my blog, My Style Vita, I really started it out of just trying to get out of my first job out of college, which was doing revenue accounting. I was basically a glorified bill collector, and I hated <laughs> my job. That's fun. Yeah, not so much, not so much. Um, but I really wanted to get into writing or fashion. So someone recommended to me, why don't you start a fashion blog? And I don't know about you guys, but eight years ago, I was like, what the heck is a fashion blog? I never, <laughs> right. they didn't exist. Instagram didn't exist eight years ago either. So for me, my business started kind of by accident, and it just sort of grew over time. So the more that I was blogging, the more I would find other blogs. I'm like, oh, I can, you know, they're taking outfit photos. I can do that. I always, you know, my friends were always asking me for style tips and whatnot. So it's just sort of, sort of slowly grew into what it was. But definitely about two years in was when I was like, okay, this can make some money. This is mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do more research and read as much as I could. And back then it was really just more trial and error because it was the Wild West back then and still kind of is. Right. We just don't know like how the industry worked back then. We were sort of mapping it out for ourselves. And then four years into it, so four years ago, I finally realized, okay, this is actually making like a decent living. And I was working for Alternative Apparel. I loved my job. Finally found a job that I loved. It's definitely possible. <laughs> you just have to go after it. But I was forced with a decision at Alternative Apparel. It was either start traveling three weeks out of the month, which I was only maybe doing two to three days out of the month. And I was like, that's not really what I signed up for. And so that's when I really sat down and thought, okay, can I do this? Can I do this full time? You know, I had to really sit and look through expenses and what I had, you know, coming in with the blog and how can I be more consistent and decided to try doing it full time. And it's been four years now. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So I think for us, our entire business is based off of building content. Everyone needs content <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from the, the lifestyle blogger mm -hmm. to the huge business. And so I think when we realized 
so many people have a lack in good content that there was this niche for us to to easily fall into of um, there was a need and we wanted to meet that need. We also had connections with the local artists who are like fantastic photographers, fantastic videographers who might not be fully making the salary or the living that they want to or that they're not full-time in what they're doing. They still have their part-time job on the side and they're just using photo video design as a hobby. So we wanted to break that gap and see for our perspective of helping run the business aspect of that we can connect local artists to the job and then to be able to uh, give them what they're worth because a lot of people are not getting paid what they're actually worth in the industry. Mm -hmm. So our whole entire business model was just being able to build content, but build content with a purpose for all these different brands, but also being able to facilitate their content with putting them with an artist that fits their brand and can capture their brand in the best way. Awesome. Well, Paradise Organics actually started after I had my son. <laughs> um, I was just, I, I never was officially diagnosed with postpartum, but I, now that I know what it is, I honestly feel like I was feeling it. Like I felt like you know, I was traveling. I was really defining who I was at a, as a woman at that point. And then I found out I was pregnant. So it felt like everything was at a standstill. And to make matters worse, my hair began to fall out. So I'm like already dealing with depression. You know, I have this new baby. Like, what do I do with it? Won't stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no matter how much help you have, sometimes inside you just feel like it's not enough. And then I really just had this moment, like, I'm just tired. And I have all this knowledge. My father knows I can do something to help myself. And so I got in the kitchen and made my own little concoction. And I started applying it to my hair. And within three to four weeks, my hair started to grow back full. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm calling my friends. I'm like, listen, I found the solution to hair. <laughs> and they were like, OK, I'm going to try it. And a few of my friends tried it. And I was like, you know, I took my last $200 and I bought all the ingredients. I made a few bottles. And within that week, I sold out. Wow, wow. So I knew I was like, you know, this is something that I'm passionate about. It gave me my life back. I felt like I had purpose again outside of motherhood. And I decided to run with it. And from there, I just created, 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 expanded my brand, expanded my products. And I wanted to also give people something that they could use around the table for their whole family that wasn't chemical based, that they can put on their body. Because our, or, our skin is an organ. It right. absorbs. Right. So I wanted it to be safe for everyone. And because I was raised vegan, that was really important to me. And four years later, it's like, it's beautiful. It's something that I'm passionate about, something that I can share with my son mm -hmm. that he's a part of and that I can pass down. And that's kind of how it got started. And it just continues to blossom from there. I love it. You know, it's, it's kind of like a common thing with women, right? Because we're so passionate we're so emotion-driven, right? right? And sometimes we don't tend to think right off the bat about money. Many of us. There, there are some that, you know, kind of have this business savviness already instilled in them. But majority of us just lead with passion, right? right. And so we work for free. We're doing things for free or just because we love doing it, right? right. I would love for you and anybody could jump in on this. When was the moment, was it right off the bat where you said, okay, I have this passion, I need to turn it into a business? Or was it like, I've been doing my passion, but I really, I, I need money? 
Um, I'd say for me, uh, because of where I was when I kind of made the decision to start selling, it was more so the passion that gave me life again, you know, it, and with that, I was like, okay, this makes me happy and it makes me money. <laughs> and I was like, I was, but to be honest, I was really nervous because as you guys know, there are so many products on the market, especially now that this, the vegan and natural lifestyle is like the big thing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I was nervous about competitors, about me just being this small homegrown mom Am I going to be able to sustain myself? Am I going to be able to survive? And I realized, you know, I just was going to take it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And from there, I just pushed forward with it. You know, I said, okay, my passion can make me money. Even if I have to balance and juggle until I get to that point, I'm just going to, even with every failure, I just was like, it still makes me money. Every day, mm-hmm. I still have income. Even if I'm not where I want to be, I'm still making money. And I know and believe in myself enough to know that it would grow. When you say balance and juggle, you mean like you were balancing like another part-time job yes. at the same time? So I was, at that time, I was still working at FPL. I was still in Miami at that time. So I was still working at Florida Power and Light. So I was working and being a mom and, wow. and juggling my business all at the same time. And I kind of was like, okay, let's do bills. And instead of my shopping fun time money, right. that was my investment money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just, everything extra that I had, I invested into my business, whether it was marketing. And I just had to stay in my own lane. I call it tunnel vision because if you pay attention to what other people are doing, you can get so discouraged. Like yeah. if an ad comes up and they have this beautiful setting yeah. and you're like trying to take pictures <laughs> with your, your iPhone, it can be discouraging. Yeah, so right. I really had to have tunnel vision and, and stay focused and know you're going to get there. Just do what you can at your pace. You know what I mean? I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think a lot of women, what I've noticed in my industry and who I've worked with is that Everyone always had like many jobs. It was always, you know, right. I did too. I had a day job. I also worked at a bar on the weekends just in case and was running my blog and doing the blog societies. Like, I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking, right. all right. doing all the things, but I feel like people sometimes assume like, oh, they just started a business and it all just came oh, yeah. from that one thing. It's like sometimes you have to really hustle and people mm-hmm. I don't think talk about that they were doing right. all of the things. But I think it's important that women know that sometimes you do have to do all of the things first before one of them works out. I love that because it it is so true. There is a misconception that when you are – oh my God, I found my purpose and now life, I made it. I've arrived. I'm going to start, you know, this is my job. And you know, like, I mean, Mel and I for the last two years, like I was, I was working as, as a hostess six to 12. Like we would work on millennial women and like that, because that's the reality of life. You have to pay your bills. Like, so I, would love to know a little bit about some of the crazy side jobs that you guys have had in between because these stories are amazing. So go ahead and share. Well, what, what's interesting for for me is that I actually didn't even pick up a camera until my senior year of college. That was when I like owned my first camera. And this is what I do full time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I think there's – I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. Which is so completely from a different realm. So I think, too, we can take all these different jobs to make money, but it's it's when we really dive into what we are created to do Mm -hmm. and our purpose that that is when it's going to take off. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we can have our fingers in in our hands in in, in five different things, but you kind of know what you are going to settle in. Mm -hmm. And so for for me, when I picked up the camera, the wedding industry was the first thing that I did. So for me, it was, 
I started second shooting every single weekend. Every single time I had the opportunity to pick up the camera and make a little extra money from it, that's what I was doing. As I continued to do that for an extended period of time, then I was like, I'm gonna go and do this by myself. I'm gonna lead shoot, and I got my first wedding. So then it, it grew from there to the point where, you know, two, three years later, brands were coming. And so then once brands were contacting me, I couldn't do all of what I was doing by myself. So then it just continued to grow. But I didn't pick up the camera <laughs> What made wow. you want to pick up the camera? Because you say you were gonna you thought you were gonna be an athlete. And yeah. I want to know what sport you were gonna do. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was a soccer player. Oh, okay. so I played nice. college soccer. So I was I was already like on that path, but I also had two knee injuries, which really um. put me out. So I went from full on like sports, sports, sports to seeing that I had this creative side in me when I wasn't playing sports anymore because I got medically disqualified. So I like wow. could not legally be on the soccer field. Wow. So when I realized I actually really like kind of like this social media thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fun. I'm going to pick up a camera. And I saw a whole different part of me that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. And then this is what I'm doing now. Um, so it's it's crazy. But that's the magic of life, right? Because right. you were open right. to it. So instead yeah. of saying, what's going to happen to my life now? Like, mm-hmm. this is all that I know. I don't know anything else. Right. Your brain automatically went to what else do I like? Like, you know, and you weren't negative about it. And I think that that's so important for people to hear because a lot of people have one dream or maybe don't know, you know, but I'm talking more for people that have that one dream Mm -hmm. and that it gets, not that it gets taken away from them. It's just, they get pivoted to their purpose. They get, Mm -hmm. they get pivoted to the journey that they're supposed to be on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so everything is a stepping stone to end up where you're supposed to be. And you are where you're supposed to be, (laughs) but it's so interesting. I had no idea you picked up a camera. Like, like just yeah. almost recently. <laughs> and when talking about that, picking up a camera, starting your product, starting your blog, you know, how do you, what is those first steps for anybody that's starting new in any of your industries? What are the first steps to start the hustling process? Like, for example, you had said, I got to be second, right? To, to a photographer. Did you Google photographers and then reached out? Like, how did out for your blog too when you started to start kind of getting your first gigs? Mm -hmm. How does that whole process work? I think for blogging, it's definitely changed. You know, when I started My Style Vita eight years ago, I am embarrassed of what it looked like. (laughs) It was a terrible photo. Did you delete it? No, it's still all still there. If you really want to go back, it's... (laughs) I purposefully took like the archive option off the sidebar because I'm like, in case anybody really goes back to seven, eight years ago, it's embarrassing. But I keep it there as a good reminder of where (laughs) where it all came from. But nowadays, there's so many resources and there's so many things that you can find for, I think, a lot of businesses, especially photography and, you know, blogging, social media and that sort of thing. I think there's tons of great websites and there's, you know, using Google, Pinterest to find great articles. There's lots of online courses or even podcasts uh, that can really provide some helpful information. And I think if anyone's looking to start a blog, my number one thing is to really hone in on what your niche is. I don't think everybody has to have a very specific niche, but just at least knowing what your voice is and what you want to offer to people is what's important. Mm. Did you always know your voice from the beginning? No. Maybe my my, just my brand voice in general, because right. it's who I am. I've never really, you know, if you follow me on social media, you know there's a lot of curse words sometimes, and I'm very <laughs> honest, and it, there's just kind of like no BS when it comes to my content, and that's just sort of who I am. So I'm very fortunate that my business is my personality. Right. 
but I definitely didn't have an idea of what sort of content I wanted to offer them. And it really wasn't until recently that I worked with a branding expert here in, in Atlanta. Uh, her name is Emily from Amavi Studio, who totally transformed my vision. I knew I always wanted to provide people with, you know, helpful information. And I wanted to cover fashion, beauty, and travel. But I had no idea what that, like, elevator pitch was, what that, like, one to two sentences was. And people would be like, so what do you blog about? I had such a hard time defining it. Like, it's taking me eight years to figure this out. <laughs> but I finally figured it out. And right. it's great. And I, you know, I needed some outside help from that. But, you know, that's something that if you're going to start a blog, I think you should be able to hone in on what those one to two sentences is that you're able to offer people. So you're saying it took you about eight years to sort of figure, figure out, it out. Figure yeah. it, it out. It took forever. <laughs> so eight years is a long time. Yeah. You know, what made you still like stick to it, right? Because some people might be like, it's take, you know, forget it. This isn't going to work. Yeah. Right? Well, I definitely knew what kind of content I wanted to create. So okay. it was more just how do I, you know, shorten that bio so it makes more sense. But you don't have to have, but I think it's I think it's an important thing to do. And I just enjoyed what I was doing and people were responding to and engaging with it. And so I kept going at it. For anybody that is looking to start their own blog and become an influencer in their own right, what are kind of some of the revenue streams that you would like to share, share oh, yeah. with any listener? So for m- most bloggers and influencers, the way that you generate revenue is through affiliate links and income. So that means if you were to go to my blog and click on a product that I share, like a link to a store and you shopped it, I would make an affiliate commission off of that. Right. So that's a big chunk of bloggers and influencers revenue. And then the other piece of it is sponsored content. So brands approaching you saying, hey, we love your content. We want you to try out this product or, you know, wear this dress and we'll pay you a flat fee to feature that item because they're using your platform and your, you know, influence to do that. So, but in order to make that money, you do have to first create influence in a platform. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that I started a blog eight years ago, so I consider myself a true blogger. Mm -hmm. You have got great blog traffic, whereas I've got some people, some friends who have way more Instagram followers than I do, but have like one eighth of the blog traffic. Mm -hmm. And so just sort of, and it just sort of depends. And for me, a lot of my income comes from my blog versus my Instagram, whereas vice versa, some bloggers who have 100,000 Instagram followers, maybe 5,000 page views are making all of their money through Instagram. It's really Which scares me. (laughs) But it's it's really interesting that you say that because even on the product spectrum of it, like my Instagram, you know, my product page doesn't it has like a few thousand followers, but I have this group of 1,500 women who tell other women. And the the biggest thing with staying in business is recurring customers. Yes. So them repeat customers, them coming back, and that my retention rate is so high. So it's like I know that, you know, I can break it down to this product will last this customer this long. I yeah. have a, a fi- at least 500 women that are going to order every month. So even, you know, I tell people don't get caught up in Instagram in numbers. numbers. It's not about the because numbers. Because it's really not. It's about creating something, like you said, where people want to come back to mm-hmm. you. They want to identify with you. And one thing about, especially women, we want to feel... Like we belong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're more than a product. You're more than a blog. Like, you're talking to me. You're relating to me. You know, it's more than a space. I Like, I feel at home. Like I told you when I walked in, I was like, it's beautiful. Like, I feel so <laughs> comfortable here. Like, I can just share and not, you know, mm-hmm. like we want to feel comfortable and belong. That way we open up and we start to trust you. And, and it's like building that rapport and building that community. Even on a social platform, you sometimes feel connected like these yeah. ladies. When I met them, I was like, hey, girls. Like, hey. <laughs> right. Exactly. 
exactly. So just to build on that, that is really a good point. Is don't get caught up in the number. You I know, hundred percent. Don't them, get me started on like loop giveaways and buying right. followers. It only hurts <laughs> oh, your business. God. Exactly. Exactly. And I your agree. real fans, your real community, who's there all the time, will start noticing those types of things too. Right. They you will, and they'll stray. And that exactly, <laughs> and they'll stray away from it too. Yeah. If they yeah. feel like bots. Oh, these are bots. Yeah. They're gonna. You know, you're not real. You're just trying to do it for the numbers. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think it's the same thing. You know, our businesses are so different, but it's so identical in the same way. Like, I really want to build a community where people keep coming back to right, shop right. or at least listen or, you know, apply my tips and ideas. So it's, exactly. it's very similar, even though we were both doing very different things. Right. I think it's cool. Steph. Isn't it so great when we can come together and align on similar journeys? Oh my gosh, yes. This conversation is so inspiring. And we're here feeling unstoppable as we enjoy our favorite all-natural drink, LaCroix. They have so many amazing flavors, but Mel, which one is your favorite? Okay, honestly, I cannot get over how good their new hibiscus-flavored one tastes. Ladies, LaCroix is officially Millennial Women approved. If you're tired of drinking regular water and looking to try something different, but without the guilt, calories, and you know, all the bad stuff, then you have to check out LaCroix. Try it today by visiting LaCroixWater.com to see a full list of retailers near you. Okay, now let's get back into the conversation with the millennial women of Atlanta. Blakely, did you ever feel comfortable asking for money or for money for your artists? Because you you expressed early on in the conversation that, you know, artists sometimes don't get paid what they deserve, what they're worth. And that's something I'm very passionate about, too, just coming from a, an artist background. So as a woman, did you ever feel uncomfortable talking about money or asking for money? I wouldn't say uncomfortable because I did have to make a living from it. So I was getting paid from the beginning from a second shooter position to a lead photographer, right. I think it was the value amount that I was getting paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what had to change was I had to understand my worth, that if I portray to someone that I'm worth $250, then they're going to pay me $250. But if I portray to someone that I'm five grand and that I'm worth every penny of five right. grand, then I have now created the value that they will pay me five grand. So I think it comes from experience being in the industry as well. And and once you have a portfolio and and a background and you feel comfortable with where you are and not just, I think there's a lot of like new bloggers that come into the industry. There's a lot of people who say, oh, I'm a photographer. There's there's a level of, you can't come into the industry charging five grand because I think that that's disrespectful to the people who've been in the industry. So you have to you have to make a way. You have to do a lot of free work. I've done so much work just for passion projects, just to be able to get my name out there. Right. Even with Urban Pines, we do things like this because we want to be able to connect with people. So in the same way with the photography industry, we're going to do things that we care about for a smaller value amount for the purpose of connecting with people. So I think for artists who don't get paid what they are worth is because they have to realize themselves what they're worth. Mm -hmm. So you settle a lot of times. So I think there's a mix between doing something because you're passionate about it for a lesser value versus giving your absolute all 
and the company is just not paying you anything. And I think that's completely different. Um, so we want to be the voice for the artist who give them a platform to get paid five times more than what they're currently able to get themselves because we've been able to build a base of experience, a portfolio, and a platform that gives the incredibly talented artist a way to be able to, to like we're pitching for them, we're promoting for them that they're worth that much. Right. Almost like they're, not their agency, but like their support. But kind of, right? yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like their protector, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have yeah. their back. Exactly. I want to ask this because we... We have so many women in our community who are creators and when they pitch themselves as artists and they put their number, let's say my rate is this, and then they're just like, no, it's too much or no. What would you say to an artist that that should, you know, because they'll probably look back and say, should I lower my price? Should right. I do it? What should I do? What's the best piece of advice you can give an artist that when they hear that word no for the first, second, third, fourth time? Should they reconsider that? What what should be those tips and tricks when it comes to pricing? That's a really great question. I think it also depends on what type of audience and target market you're trying to attract. Because what you put for photo and video, if I put out work that I've done at a lower rate, a lot of our industry is still word of mouth. So if I do a $500 job for this client and then they tell their friend, mm-hmm. I'm expected to do it for $500. Mm-hmm. So if you either have to get out of that community and take your work elsewhere mm-hmm. to be able to hire your prices um, or raise your prices. So I think if you do have to be careful because if you constantly lower your rates to just get the job, I think you kind of, you lower what you can actually bring in because you're committing yourself to that rate with that entire community. Mm -hmm. So it's, you have to be strategic with it of know your value. You can't charge what you're not worth, but also understanding what you are worth. Right. Um, That's very good, actually. That's helpful because I feel like that's something a lot of people struggle with, especially creatives, because most creatives aren't as business savvy. They're just really great at their talent and their creativity. So that was very, very good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So I actually want to go into social media and how it has, and I know this is definitely your realm, Jessica, but how has social media played a part in growing your, your companies? Sure. So for me, social media, especially now, I think with Instagram, you know, five years ago, it was all about Facebook and seven years ago, it was all about Twitter. Um, (laughs) Things are, you know, have, they always shift. And I think that's something to keep in mind when it comes to social media. But right now it's all about Instagram and, you know, social media for my business is really important because it's how people are able to engage with me, especially in a quick way. You know, I hear a lot from readers or followers on Instagram that they prefer seeing things on Instagram because it's quick. They can quickly digest right. it. They don't need to go to a blog to read it, which that like kills me <laughs> to hear that. But it, it is what it is. And so I have to – I had to tailor my business to social media. And it, I think it's important to always recognize that. So for me, Instagram is really important because it helps to build community. I can engage with my readers and my followers and chit chat with them and show them also a little behind the scenes when it comes to Instagram stories, which has been really great for social media and just being able to provide them with consistent content all the time so they can constantly be digesting the MyStyle Vita brand. That's really important. 
name of for you? Yeah. For me, between Facebook and Instagram. So I, I kind of like you have to know your target audience yeah. mm-hmm. depending on, especially with products, just depending on what product it is. And I would say for my hair care, it's definitely Instagram. Like th- that is like the hair, natural <laughs> hair community. Like everybody <laughs> is like hair crazy. What are you doing? But when it comes to the Lotus Love experience, it's definitely Facebook. And I think it's just that more of an age thing because more women who are like, and most of the women in that group are like, I would say the average between 30 to 40, 45, mm-hmm. 25 to like 30, you know, and they want to really be able to talk to you. And they feel more comfortable because it's a closed yeah. group. You have to be approved. I have to approve you. You have to answer questions to get in. So they're like, all 1,500 of us are dealing with the same thing. <laughs> We're all, you know, I'm not, I feel free in here. I can talk to other women. I can say, oh, my God, I got BV. What am I going to do? Who right. has the remedy? And someone's going to post it. Hey, she posted it the other day. Here it is, you know. So it really just depends on that age bracket and, you know, my target. But it has definitely helped, I will say, 70% of my sales come from social media, mm-hmm. either Instagram or my Facebook group. And you have to really stay with the times, I say, like because it's yeah. always changing. Like If you know Instagram, is like it's always something new. There's always an upgrade. So you have to really keep up. Like you do. It's like you, you have to almost be glued to your phone sometimes. And it's like sometimes you're like, I'm tired of looking at the phone. Mm-hmm. But it's the age we live in. Right. And honestly, it's how we generate revenue now, you know, and it's a free platform. You know, mm-hmm. you can't beat that. You don't even have to pay. I mean, and there are so many different apps out there that, you know, are, are like Swift and different things. I even go to the Apple classes. They're free and they teach you how to use your phone and create content to, for your businesses right there. You can make videos. You can do little mini commercials and everything. And I'm like, you know, I love social media for that purpose. It's like it's free. I can promote. I can meet amazing people. Right. And I can definitely give back in a different way, you know, socially. So, yeah. I want to talk about sales, right? Product and sales and social and website. Right. So how do you manage sort of that whole, like when you build your products, you have Mm -hmm. them out because you sell them online, correct? Right. So how do you drive sales? You just have to be really catchy in your captions. Like I say, your (laughs) caption is everything and your picture. And, you know, the attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So it's like they don't want to read a long caption all the time. So even if you have a long caption and there's a lot of information in it, Catch them in that first two lines. Because right. if you don't, they're going to scroll on by. You wanna and, be a, what is like? A, you want to be a scroll stopper. Right. You exactly. Wanna... <laughs> you want them to stop. The scroll. Yeah. I love that. You want to be a scroll stopper. So sometimes even your picture, even if it's not directly related to what you're talking about, right. you just want to grab them. Because our attention span is just so quick now. It's like really literally getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> so that is how I drive the the traffic to the website. Like, I'm going to make sure I grab them in that first two sentences. That picture is going to grab them, especially something that is uncomfortable. You know, we like to read and see uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. We may not want to verbalize it, but we want to see it and we want to read it. And it's if someone's bold enough to post it and say, oh, my God, is she really talking about vaginas right now? (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to go to the website and and they're going to, even if they secretly do the whole thing and no one else knows about it, they'll inbox you and say, hey, thank you so much for posting that or thank you so much for being so open and honest and sharing that. And that is kind of what has really helped drive the business to my website. Now, do you do, um, you can like make a Facebook catalog so that you can tag product in your Instagram post. Do you do that? And has that been like, I have done that before. 
didn't really see a difference with it. Maybe I didn't stick with it long enough because I'm an Aries. So we're like, if it isn't, <laughs> if it's not, if it's not going, we're on to the next thing. But I've done it before. But that is a really good idea. I do it a lot with the Facebook group, like within the group, uh-huh. within the group of women. It's like, especially if I have like a new product, I release it there first. Yeah. So they're like, hey, we got, they feel special. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you guys, you have an hour to go. Whatever's in stock, I'm not restocking until, and you make them feel like, like it's exclusive. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. Is the, hey, there are a hundred in stock. You have an hour before I release it to the public. So they're like, they're, and that just drives like, oh my God, even if it's more than a hundred, you know, right. And just, you know, you want them and they are special because they're a part of something where a lot of women are not brave enough or may not be comfortable enough yet to take that step. And just for them to be able to share and be open in that group, I want to always give them an incentive. Like if you're a part of the group, you get free shipping. Mm. If you, the more you engage, the more discount. This is so psychological. I I feel like sales is is all psychology in a way. Even with like newsletter subscribers, that's something that I use a lot for for mine to build that list up. Is you have to provide them with something exactly, even if it's a little something that's free, just something that makes them feel special. special. Exactly. Why else? Why am I going to sign up? Why am I going to join? What are you going to offer me? Right. You have to give value. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that just helps like when you have events because, you know, just having this group is, you know, now I'm, you know, putting together this Lotus Love experience and I want women to come out and I want them to engage and, you know, be and and get knowledge about, you know, from doctors and and holistic healers or whatever. And it's like now I can, you know, have this great turnout without having to put so much money behind marketing because I organically grew my relationship with them. So it's like, we trust you. So if you say this is where we need to be, we're going to be there. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and part of that is, you know, um, my major was marketing in college. So (laughs) I love, I love just engaging people and just, and and I'm really just like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Like I post that in the group all the time. Like I want them to feel like, hey, you can come to me. Even if I can't respond right away because I'm just having a busy day. But I always say, is everybody okay in here today? How are you doing? I really care. If there's something you want to talk about, personal, you don't want to post, inbox me. Even if I don't get back to you, I'm going to give me three days. We got a team. We're going to work (laughs) together. Somebody's going to help you. But that's so important. It is. Because even with everything in life, it all comes down to relationships. Right everything. Mm -hmm. So even when building a community, whether it's online, and for us, it's a face-to-face community. We want people to physically walk through our door. We want to have events where there are people in this space. Mm -hmm. So whether it is online, face-to-face, selling products, giving services, because we don't sell a physical product, but even with services, it's a you're, you're bidding for the next job. You're having to Mm -hmm. communicate to every single client what you're worth, what you offer. And I think for, for that, it all comes into being genuinely interested, giving value to people and, and creating that trust that they are comfortable with continuing to work with you, continuing to buy products over and over. Um, And to add to what you're saying, it's like, you know, one of the things you learn in business is they don't subscribe to your product. They subscribe to you. Mm-hmm. They're following your blog mostly because of you, yeah. who you are. They're mm-hmm. using your, your space because of who you presented yourself when they met you and when they mm-hmm. spoke to you. They buy you, you know? Right. And it's important to just remain genuine and show, you know, you know, have that that personal and that compassion and whatever you're 
talking about or whatever you're sharing or whatever product you're presenting, always give a piece of you to the people so they yeah. feel, okay, I'm connected to mm -hmm. this person. You know, it's yeah. more than just her blog. Like, she's really passionate yeah. about her blog. Like, I'm getting a piece of her. Like, even though she put the style out, I feel like, I'm, you know, I kind of got, yeah. <laughs> I'm almost on her level when it comes to style, <laughs> you know? So I think that's important. You know what I mean? Besides catchy captions and, you know, overall engagement, right? Let's talk a little bit about content. And it's funny because Mel and I talk about this. Sometimes it's like we shoot like the most epic photos and then that selfie is the one that gets the oh, most I know. engagement. Right. So, I, you know, I would love to talk and anyone can share kind of what is kind of the best content that you've experienced works, whether it be for revenue or just engaging purposes. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a, a piece of this. Yeah. Because this is what we do, photo and video, from GIFs, loops, short videos, long videos, almost all of the companies who are contacting us to actually make content for them, whether it's a small business or a corporation, it is 10 to 15 second videos. Mm -hmm. People want short, snackable videos. Mm -hmm. If you scroll down your feed and it's just a photo versus scrolling down your feed and the video immediately movement. activates, yeah. People want something that activates, that catches in, that's interactive. Well, now I gotta add video to my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, video definitely. Is, yeah. Video is. Like mm -hmm. it is what people are going after now. So even for our photos, what we end up doing is creating loops. We create a GIF with our photos. So it's just on on a loop. We make it interactive, whether it's, you know, at a coffee shop and the barista's pouring the coffee. Mm-hmm. It is a loop of the barista pouring <laughs> the coffee. Like similar to yeah. a boomerang almost? Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. But it's just an actual like created yeah, um, okay. loop um, versus mm -hmm. just like a boomerang. Right. So I think that is hands down what is thriving right now specifically in our industry and even what we're getting paid for oh, wow. most. Wow. It's all video, short form video. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Awesome. Well, That's it's going on my to-do list for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely sure. say customer content. Like if I uh, post like, you know, when they do reviews or they'll do a selfie, you know, with their, you know, hair, you know, like if they do a before and after, mm -hmm. whenever I post those before and that raw content, you know, yeah. unedited, unfiltered, they see like, okay, she is an everyday mom like me. She used it. She doesn't have any special powers, you know, <laughs> like it works for her. Whenever I post that raw, you know, like mm -hmm. unedited, this is a before and after, this is how she looked before she was struggling or, you know, just someone's detailed experience. Hey, before I did this, I had fibroids. I was facing surgery. Just those reviews and that raw testimony yeah. is really what drives yeah. people. I've noticed that for me, it's always, there's always like that random post that you're like, why did that do well? Like I have a, <laughs> an outfit post of the day that went crazy through the roof because of a hashtag. It must have been featured in people's feeds who weren't following me. And I'm like, I, I can't explain that one. But <laughs> the things that typically generate the most blog traffic and the most comments and the engagement is when there's a personal post. Mm -hmm. When I get real and share personal tidbits, like I did a, you know, it was a Dear Bumble post. It was like my open letter to Bumble because I hate <laughs> online dating. <laughs> it got so many comments and it's because I got real and honest and mm -hmm, yeah. spoke from the heart versus a, here's my cute outfit, you should shop it. Right, like no one, right. and that's something that I've even learned over time is that 
no one wants to hear about, oh, you're a cute outfit. It's more, how can I provide something that's helpful to you that you can want to read and learn from, whether it is personal or, you know, it may be a little more superficial, like an outfit, but how can I bring value to that that makes it different than everything else? Right, it's always providing the value. Yeah, right. And one thing that's really interesting too that we were laughing at the other day is that if you see if you're going through Facebook or Instagram, like what actually gets the most engagement? And it's always the most controversial thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah always. For sure. That was like with my Bumble post. People were like, <laughs> "Stop hating on them." Like, well, I don't like them. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's when but you some have people when were you state an opinion about it. And comments are everything. It's mm-hmm. like, who cares about likes anymore? If you have the comments, the comments yes, are everything. That is yes. what is everything. Right. So Absolutely. if you have a controversial topic, then people are going to want to respond. People like mm-hmm. to talk about their like they want to share their opinion. Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of like a a tough thing too because it's you don't want to always just be like voicing opinions, voicing yeah. opinions, right? But yet that's what does so well. You got to sprinkle right. it. In. So yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. So how do you guide your clients, for example, in in terms of video, right? So obviously you work with clients that have these brands. Like, how is it that you have to obviously make their posts be successful, help them be successful, but at the same time you see that there's awareness and other things, right? What do you do? How do you guide them into creating the content? So we do create content with a purpose. So this is creative strategy. It's sitting down with them. What is their end goal? What is their um, objective by using us to come in and create content? And so it is is a purpose-driven conversation of we're not just going to come in and build whatever content that we think would be cool for you. We want to see where you're trying to go. Is it a product? Is it a service? Is it an event that you're trying to market? And we come in and build content according to that. So it's it still has to be very strategic because you still have to take photos. Um, even though video is, I do feel really strongly about video and video content nowadays, photos still are important. Whether that's for a profile, you know, photo right, right, or right. something like that, it, it does showcase your brand. So it is very collaborative, sitting down with the client, discussing what their needs are, and then us giving our voice and opinion of being in the industry as creators of what would make their business thrive. So even though we're not a marketing company, we come with a marketing perspective because our content is what's given to the marketing company. Mm -hmm. So if we don't get the content right, then what you give to the marketing company is not going to do anything. So the content is actually the most important other than marketing, because you can be marketing the wrong content and not right, get anything. Absolutely. So it's very strategic. We actually have the toughest um, conversations with the clients to be able to get their message and their vision forward. Do they sometimes not even know what it is? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Most right. of the time, actually. Most of the time. Interesting. Yeah. What are some of the tips that you can you give to your clients when they don't know? Mm. So... We, we write down a creative brief. Um, that's kind of our process of what we do. And that's from who's your target audience? Uh, what does your brand stand for? Like, what is your mission? What are your colors? Who do you want to attract? Is your goal to have people walk in the door? Is your goal to have more online sales? So it's, it's really narrowing down how they make money. Because ultimately, we build content so the business can make money. Because if they don't make money from our content, then there's there's that lack of we want them to come back. Right. right. So we have to be strategic of 
breaking down their business. We pick apart their website. We pick apart their social media. We see what does well, Mm -hmm. um, what they're lacking, and then create out of that. And so we are showcasing, we call it from the outside in. Our outside perspective, we don't want like the business to give us any information. We'll do all of the research ourselves. And then when we sit down at the meeting, we say, this is what we've noticed. This is how we feel as a consumer coming into your business. And this is what we think would be effective for you. Mm -hmm. So we take it from a a customer perspective and then build content out of that. Amazing. That's amazing. That's very cool. Yeah. Would you say that in Atlanta, it's openly accepted that you, you thrive on purely online businesses? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever really thought about that. I feel like you just do you and right. that's what's that's what's important. I think people you know recognize that it is a business and you know it it's something that is working for people. Um so I think they probably are hopefully. That's yeah. awesome. Definitely. I think so. I I just think, you know, just beyond Atlanta just, you know, globally everybody is kind of moving more to that internet based yeah. like if you even if you look at like a lot of retail stores that are like closing down because Amazon has become this <laughs> big oh giant gosh. you know what i mean so i think that it's receptive to it you know that they realize you know a lot of people make their living this way and even you know with certain jobs they're mo- they're more work from home you mm-hmm. know they're like hey let's get rid of this space which is to me is sometimes a good and a bad thing because yeah. we still need that human interaction and we can sometimes be so glued to our phone that a lot of things can be misunderstood or misinterpreted. Because remember, when we're leaving it to us in our phone, everybody can interpret something differently. You know what I mean? Versus, you know, if you having that face-to-face interaction, it's like, I don't know if it's ever happened to you with the text. Like, if you're texting something, right? And (laughs) then you mean it one way and then someone else takes it totally different. different. Don't yell at me. Well, I'm not yelling at you. It's a text. How am I yelling at you? So sometimes it's best to like, let me just FaceTime you and have this conversation so you can feel where I'm coming from, you know? So I think it's a good and a bad thing, you know? Yeah. I think with social media too, it's given us an awareness of like traveling. Traveling has become yeah. a huge portion of social media. Absolutely. So I think with a lot of the work remotely, work from home, being mm-hmm. flexible, it's it's also creating this new lifestyle that we as millennial women want right. to live. Right. We don't want to be locked down to a nine to five. We don't want to just stay in this Absolutely. one cubicle all day long. We want to be able to make money. We want to be able to travel. We want right. to be able to hang out with our friends. Also still bringing good money in. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the whole work remote thing is is giving the corporations a way to like attract younger people still because they're like, hey, you can still have a flexible schedule. You can right, work from home right, two right, to three right. days a week. Mm-hmm. Work from home. <laughs> you can kind of do what you want two right. to three days yeah, a right. week. So it brings in a different element of um, bringing in new people into a corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think Atlanta has a super, like a large creative industry network. I mean, I I mean, maybe it's because I've been in this industry for so long, but I feel like everybody I know now is a creative entrepreneur. Right. I mean, all of us sitting here, that's what, that's what we're doing. And yeah. all of my friends now are creative entrepreneurs. And so I think Atlanta has really fostered that community. You know, I know so many people who are able to have a side job if it's their you know passion project that they're slowly turning into something because there is such a big community 
here that supports it. There's so many events that support it and Absolutely. networks and whatnot. So I feel like Atlanta's kind of killing it in that in that I area. Like to hear that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> they it. do they do create the space. Yeah. That's true. They really do. They foster into the creative a lot here, especially there's so many events, mm-hmm. so many festivals, so yeah. many it really does, especially like on the product base. This is like, you know, I was I didn't want to leave Miami, but I was like, you know, when I made the transition, I decided to move here. It was like the best thing for my business because I met so many people who were, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're not doing exactly the same, I could take from them and they could take yeah. from me and they so were like all on the same path. Right. Mm-hmm. So I agree. What's the best piece of advice you guys can share to your fellow millennial women in your city in Atlanta? Ooh, I'm going last on that one. I, <laughs> <laughs> I would say don't look at failure as the end. Yes. You are going to fail a lot of times doing this. There is no roadmap mm. to being an entrepreneur, being a mom in business, whatever you want to call it. Keep going. If you fail, just look, okay, we have to do something different. Let's just, I mean, even if you have that moment, because I've, I've had so many cry moments where I'm like, oh, I just knew this was going to work. <laughs> or, you know, I've, like I tell people, you know, I've, thought of probably 20, 30 products before I really had my key mm-hmm. 10 to 15 that I knew would sell and make money. Like I've tried so many things in this these past four years, you know, right. don't look at failure as the end. Keep going, keep pushing, keep striving. There's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> if you are trying to start a business or go full time in your now hobby or now side hustle, I think one thing that is vitally important is the community that you surround yourself with. Absolutely. I Before I had a physical location, before I like really took off in my businesses, it was because I had a solid group of creatives surrounding me, pushing me. Uh, the dialogue was was open of helping each other. There was not this idea of I have something that I'm going to hold on to and not share with mm-hmm. you. And that was incredibly, incredibly beneficial to getting us to where we are as a company today. So community is vital. And even with what we're doing with the company is bridging that gap because it's not it's not perfected yet. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of gap in the competition of the artist because of it not being It's a big city, but it's not massive like L.A. or New York. So there's a lot of artists that still feel this tension of I can't share things or I can't collaborate with other people because then they'll know my secrets. Mm, And that stills so much of the community away. Um, So even with being here and our idea for community is to showcase we can actually all thrive off of working together. Um, We can get bigger jobs. We can do cooler things, impact our city in a more long-lasting legacy kind Mm -hmm. of a way if we actually team together. So don't go into a business alone and by yourself. You have to have a community with you and supporting you. And if you don't have that, get involved with something. Join a Facebook group. Do something that connects you with the people in your city that are already doing what you're doing. I love that advice. That's That's great. So for me, um, I think I've got two tips. One is to just go ahead and start it. I feel like a lot of people are so scared to start, which is normal. It's totally normal to be absolutely terrified. 
but you will never know what you have to do next until you actually start it. And, you know, you don't need a big, you know, business plan that's, you know, perfect. You just, I think, need to start experimenting and putting stuff out there to see what works, what doesn't work. Um, I just think just pressing start is the most important part. I think a lot of people may sit around and wait and wonder, and I'm too scared to do this, but, you know, as we all... We all worked odd jobs or we had full-time jobs and started little things on the side. And that's what slowly develops into something bigger. So I think just going in head first, you'll figure it out and you will fail at some things, (laughs) but some things may work and the things that work are that that's where your energy will be drawn to. And that's what builds success. And then my other tip is just to be kind to the people around you. You just never know who you're talking to or who you're going to meet again or who you may work with. And I think it's just really important to be kind and respectful in the community um, because they are the people who help you, you know, build your business and, you know, we're all part of that creative entrepreneurship. So if we can all be just kind to one another and respectful and support one another, I think that's what's most important. That's beautifully said. Honestly, you guys have been incredible. Jessica, Blakely, Naima, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This was thank so you. fun. This, this was, was awesome. I enjoyed it so much. And there's a lot of kindness in Atlanta. I mean, honestly, oh, I we, have, we have felt the love. Like, That's no Southern charm. hospitality. Yeah. 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 No, Stephanie was talking about I was about like, this is Southern charm. I was like, I'm coming back. <laughs> right. It was awesome. Thank, thank you guys you. so thank much. You thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn more about Blakely, Naima, and Jessica, follow them on Instagram at Urban Pines, at Paradise Organics, and at MyStyleVita. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Ladies, this helps us to continue to bring powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. So I'm always looking for free and discounted resources. I mean, who isn't? But I have some great news for you. If you sign up right now to our free newsletter at wearemillennialwomen.com, subscribers only get freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. We encourage you to continue on with the conversation, keeping the strong, amazing woman that you are, and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW, always love Melissa and Stephanie Kirkache. <laughs>